Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Lone Wolves Club podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Porter, and if you are tuning in for the second time, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here, and if this is your first time here at the Lone Wolves Club, welcome, welcome. In my first episode, I brought up mental health and how I wish the church would talk about it more. If you haven't gone back and listened to that episode, I highly recommend it because it is an important conversation that I wish more people would talk about, and so I would hate for you to miss out on that. Before we get into today's topic, which is the mysterious world of dating in Christian communities, I wanted to remind you where you can keep in touch in between podcast episodes. You can find us on Instagram at lonewolvesclub.pod, and you can email us at lonewolvesclub.pod at gmail.com. Both of those are great places to keep the conversation going and to dive a bit deeper into the topics I am bringing up on this podcast. Those are also great places to leave feedback since my podcast is still getting off the ground. I would love to hear your thoughts on if there's anything I can do to improve. You can also leave feedback from the rating and review section of whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. All right, enough with the hellos. Let's jump into today's topic, which is the very mysterious world of dating especially as a Christian. So since there is a lot I can say on the topic of dating, I'm going to kind of rapid fire go through a few different topics and touch on them briefly. And if there are any that you want to hear a more in-depth conversation about, please let me know so I can perhaps work that into a future episode. Or if I feel like I have a lot to say on a particular topic, I may come back and dive a bit deeper into it in a future episode. Now, I do want to say that churches do talk about dating, so this isn't necessarily a conversation that churches shy away from, but I feel like the way the church talks about dating is not always the most helpful. And there are things within the topic of dating that I wish churches would highlight a bit more. I feel like while the church does talk about dating, um, It's the usual encouragements about how if you're looking to date someone, don't be unequally yoked, which is the Christian phrase. That means don't marry a non-believer, basically. And I think churches don't really bring up a lot of the heavy topics within dating, such as how to better encourage people who have been single and waiting to find someone, settle down with someone, for a long time. I feel like the dating and marriage age is trending a bit older. Statistically, there are many articles that talk about how people are dating and marrying later in life. And so since a lot of single people are getting older and still single, I feel like the church could better speak to that population. And I feel like it would be beneficial for that population to hear encouragements about being single later in life from people who are also single and later in life. (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like when I have heard encouragements about being single, it usually comes from people who, you know, met their spouse and got married when they were 19 or 25. You know, they married their 
high school sweetheart or their college sweetheart while they were still young. And while that's all good and fine, you know, encouragement is encouragement at the end of the day. I do feel like it would mean a bit more, however, coming from someone who was living in that reality of being single and approaching 30 or 40 or even 50, rather than hearing from someone who had been happily married for years and years, got married young, you know, and therefore didn't really have to wait that long to find someone. And the reason why this topic in particular matters so much to me is because I didn't meet my husband until I was just about 30. We met two weeks before my 30th birthday. And, you know, living in the South and being in a predominantly Christian environment, I feel like most people around me had already settled down. Like I said, most people around me married their high school sweetheart or their college sweetheart. They got married young, had been married for quite a few years at, you know, the ripe old age of 29. And here I was at the ripe old age of 29 and still single. And, you know, I wish I had heard from people that were approaching 30 or 40 or 50 and were still single, but offering encouragement and perspective on that. And so, you know, one of the many, many goals of my podcast is to basically tell people what I wish I had heard in certain situations. So when I was approaching 30 and still single and there were no prospects around me, no dudes were interested in me, and the few dudes I were interested in, you know, kind of weren't interested in me back, <laughs> to be honest. Um, in the midst of all of that, I wish I had heard that it's okay, just simply that, that it's okay to find that person later in life, that there's no pressure to marry young, that you're not behind or life isn't passing you by, that everyone's life progresses at a different speed, at a different pace, and you can't measure the pace of your life against someone else's because each person's story and life is unique. And I know we all know that, right? Like we know that we can't compare ourselves to others or compare our lives to other people's lives, but I feel like we do it anyway. And I sure did it a lot. And I would constantly feel like I was behind. And it would just make me really sad about being single. The second topic I want to dive into is that I wish churches would talk more about the woman's role in dating. Because I feel like most churches, when they talk about dating, they place it into these very confined gender norms where the woman is just supposed to wait for a man to pursue her. So if you're not familiar with that term, pursue basically means that a man should take the lead in the dating pursuit of a woman. And by that, they should be the one to approach a woman, tell them they're interested in them, ask them for coffee. They should then plan out the dates. They should, you know, make all the arrangements and everything. They should also kind of plan out the trajectory of the relationship. So after they have been dating for a while, the man should be the one to kind of move the relationship forward and tell the woman that they want to go study or ask them to be their, you know, girlfriend. And then the man should propose and so on and so on. The man should basically take the lead and take charge when it comes to not only kind of setting up 
the relationship in terms of asking someone out, but they should also be in charge of kind of moving the relationship forward. And while I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of men pursuing women at all, I think the way churches talk about this is kind of unhelpful because, again, I feel like the language around pursuing places a lot of the responsibility and, honestly, power when it comes to dating on a man's shoulders. And I feel like, as a woman, this left me feeling very powerless because while men are told to, you know, take charge and take initiative and be the one to ask a woman out and be the one to establish a relationship and be the one to propose, it left me feeling like I really had no say and it left me feeling like I really had nothing to do except sit around and look pretty and hope that a guy would look my way and ask me out. And again, as a woman, that felt very um, unempowering. Is that a word? Disempowering? <laughs> you know what I mean? The opposite of powerful. <laughs> I did not feel powerful in that regard. And, you know, some pastors, of course, would speak to women and try to encourage women and be like, well, you can look cute. You can talk to a guy. You can flirt. You can whatever. But when it came to actually asking a guy out, a lot of women were told, no, don't do that. Let a man pursue you. In fact, a common Bible verse, it's somewhere in Proverbs, <laughs> that would be spoken to women to encourage them to wait on a man to pursue them would be Proverbs, whatever. <laughs> I'll maybe look it up later and link it if you're really that curious. But somewhere in Proverbs, it talks about how happy is a man who finds a wife. And many women are told this verse, and I was told this verse when it came to the idea of waiting for a man to pursue you, because that verse clearly says, happy is a man who finds a wife. The man is supposed to do the seeking, the finding, the pursuing, and you as a woman are just supposed to wait and kind of let it happen to you. I mean, that's not to say, of course, you can turn down a guy if you're not interested in them. I'm kind of being a bit sarcastic, but you know what I mean. And also the encouragement that women would get, if you can call it that, when it comes to letting a man pursue them is that if you were to reverse the roles and if you as a woman were to pursue or ask out a guy that you were into, that would basically doom you into a marriage with a passive man because the man should be the leader, the man should take charge, the man should step up, and basically if you do a man's job for him by asking a man out, then you are dooming yourself to essentially take on the man's role in your relationship and you will be married to a passive person that won't plan, won't contribute, etc., now, I have heard firsthand love stories where the woman has been the one to ask the man out, and they have led to happy, successful marriages. In fact, when I lived in Holland, a good friend of mine was interested in one of our coworkers, and after 
a while of getting to know him, doing the good Christian girl thing of flirting with him, taking an interest in the things he was interested in, you know, making herself available to always, you know, chat with him and stuff like that. She just decided to go for it and tell him that she was into him. And our coworker, being the careful, pragmatic guy that he is, told her that he wanted to take a week to pray on all of that, and then he would get back to her about where to go from there. So a week went by, our coworker came back to my friend and basically said that he knew from the moment that she expressed her interest that he was interested in her too. But again, being the pragmatic, thoughtful guy that he is, he still just wanted to take a week to kind of prey on that and sort out his feelings. And, you know, the rest is history. They are happily married, and I don't believe she feels like she's married to a passive man just because she kind of took more of the leadership role in establishing the relationship. And I can think of many, many other examples where the woman has been the one to express her interest in a man, and that led to a happy marriage. But for the sake of time, I'll just share that one story. So all of that to say, I wish churches would talk about dating later in life and remind people that it is okay and normal to find someone later in life. And again, I wish churches would invite more single people who are, you know, older to speak on the subject of singleness and give hope and encouragement for single people who feel like life is just passing them by and that they are going to die alone. <laughs> and I also wish that churches would talk more about the courtship aspect of dating, where it's more balanced. And by that, I mean they can still encourage men to, you know, step up and be good men who speak their intentions clearly, who let it be known if they are interested in a woman without playing games or anything like that. But I wish there would be some encouragement for single ladies that if you do have your eye on a cute guy, it's not the end of the world if you go up and ask them out for a cup of coffee, or it's not the end of the world if you tell them how you feel. Or you can also upload a profile on a dating app. I have heard some pastors likening using a dating app as a woman to, quote, pursuing a man, but I think that's taking it a step too far. And again, I think that's a bit of a harmful narrative that I wish we would kind of stop talking about. And while I'm on the subject of online dating, one more thing I wanted to add is that I have noticed an interesting trend over the last few years where pastors who once condemned online dating are now condoning it. And by that I mean a few years ago when online dating was becoming a thing, I feel like pastors would admonish their congregation for using dating apps, specifically women, because like I pointed out earlier, pastors would compare using a dating app as a woman to going ahead and asking a guy out or pursuing a guy. And remember, women aren't supposed to do that. So that was 
kind of the conversation at the time. But now the conversation has shifted to where pastors are now encouraging the use of dating apps and even recommending it as tools for people in their congregation to broaden their social circle. And I just find that flip-flop really interesting. I mean, thankfully, the church is being more progressive and getting with the times a bit more, but it's just interesting to see how dating apps were once written off as a way of not trusting God's timing or not allowing God to work things out in His will or getting ahead of God, but now they are a tool and a guide and a helpful thing that you can implement if you need to widen your net, so to speak. And, you know, that is something that my husband and I talk about all the time is how without a dating app, we wouldn't have met. We didn't go to the same college. We didn't work together. We were both introverts, so we didn't really go out on the town a lot. So there was no chance of like running into each other at a coffee shop or in the supermarket or anything like that. We don't have the same friends. We don't have any kind of connections in that way. And so, and we didn't go to the same church. In fact, we lived in different parts of the city. And so if we hadn't both joined a dating app, we would have never met and So I think it is kind of a disservice to tell your congregation or to advise people in one-on-one counseling. I've heard it done both ways with pastors where they will either, you know, from the pulpit on a Sunday morning or in private one-on-one counseling sessions, they will tell people to stay away from dating apps. And I think that's a great disservice because dating apps are such a great tool for opening up your network and being introduced to people um, that you wouldn't have met otherwise. And what I also liked about dating apps is that when you're on it, you know that everyone on that app wants to find someone. I have, you know, had countless times where there were people that I was interested in and, you know, I would try to get to know them and all of that. And flirt with them and do the good, you know, Christian girl thing. And in the process of getting to know them or trying to flirt with them, you know, I would find out that they were taken and I would be like, dang it, (laughs) you know, and that would be just a lot of wasted time in that regard because, you know, you would spend all this time trying to get to know someone, trying to figure out what their deal is, you know, only for them to, uh, you know, mention their girlfriend. And then you're like, well, great, now (laughs) I'll Now, now the chance of being with that person is over and I spent all of that time, you know, trying to figure out what their deal was. But on dating apps, you don't have to figure out what people's deal is. You know, you know that most of them are, you know, looking for love, hopefully, you know, and that they are also hopefully single. Of course, there are shady people on dating apps that aren't, but that's a story for another day. (laughs) But, you know, for the most part, people on dating apps want to find love. They're in the right place to find love. Um, You know, they're hopefully done with any kind of messy breakups or anything like that. Um, And yeah, I, I think it's a really helpful tool. And again, I think 
the church can definitely talk more about that and encourage people to do that and try to remove any kind of shame or stigma around dating apps and stop comparing it to, you know, not trusting God or trying to take control of the situation or not allowing things to play out in God's way or will or time. You know, I believe that God works with us in our life, that we can step out in faith and try new things and trust that God will meet us there. And we can also trust that if we know God and we hear from Him, that He will tell us if that isn't for us, you know. Um, that's the way I look at it anyway. I think sometimes Christians over-spiritualize um, dating apps too because they feel like they're rushing ahead of God or they're trying to take control or they're not trusting God's way or time. But I think God gives us a lot of tools in life that we can use. And um, if we hear from Him, if we know His voice, like the Bible says we do, then we can trust that we'll hear from him if that isn't the right way that we should go, you know. Another topic that I want to bring up, which might sound very niche and nitpicky, so bear with me for a minute, but I want to bring up the idea that you do not need to have this whirlwind fairy tale romance. And while the church doesn't really promote that. It also doesn't really do a lot to dispel the notion a lot of Christians have where they have to over-spiritualize everything. And if they don't get a sign from God, if they don't see their angel number, if they don't have a dream about this person, well, then clearly they aren't the one that God has for them. I think a lot of single Christian women, and I used to be this way, so I am lumping myself into this group, but I think a lot of single Christian women have this notion that they need to have an over-the-top, you know, God-ordained, divinely inspired romance story. Otherwise, their spouse isn't the one for them. And I think that's just simply not true. I mean, I met my husband online, and that isn't the most whirlwind, romantic, epic love story of all time, but it's my love story, and I love it. <laughs> but before, I really changed my attitude towards dating, and that's a longer story for another day, maybe a future podcast episode. Before I changed my attitude towards dating, I definitely was one of those Christian women that would hear these romantic, over-the-top courtship stories, and I would dream of having a similar one and hold out hope that I will have that kind of notebook-esque love story. And a lot of things fueled that desire, like hearing other women, mostly pastors' wives, tell their love story, and usually all of them were very over-the-top and notebook-esque. And I know I wasn't alone in that thought because other girlfriends of mine in my life at that time who were also single shared that same desire and sentiment of holding out hope for a whirlwind romantic story rather than just taking a conventional path like joining a dating app or allowing people to set you up. So if you haven't heard from anyone else, if you are still single and holding out hope for a fairy tale romance story, 
that may totally be how you meet your spouse, but it's also okay if one day you decide to upload a profile onto a dating app, make a few swipes, and find your spouse. And again, that's how I found my husband, and he always says it doesn't matter how we met, what matters is what we do after, because your love story is ongoing. It's not just something that is over once you get that person. Your love story is an ongoing thing that you have to craft and work at every day, but that is a deeper conversation for another day. And one more thing I want to add is that often the people who have the whirlwind romance love stories still have their fair share of struggles. I know plenty of couples who have that whirlwind fairy tale romance, but guess what? They still fight with their spouse all the time, or they seem like they can't even stand their spouse. Or maybe they feel unheard in their marriage, or they feel lonely being a stay-at-home mom. So you may have a whirlwind romance love story. That's great. But again, it's more about what you do after that counts, because that is ongoing. Your love story and how you met is just a moment in time, but your marriage is a lifelong story that is unfolding in front of you day by day. Hi guys, it's Editing Nicole here. So when I was editing this episode, I realized that I had been recording for over an hour and I really didn't want to release an hour-long episode as my second episode. I think that would have been a bit too much too soon. I still want to keep my episodes around 30 minutes while I'm getting this uh, podcast off the ground. So I cut this episode in half, and that is why it ends a little bit abruptly. I wanted to just give you a heads up about that. But part two is already uploaded, so you can go ahead and dive into it. <laughs>